You know we love spooky things. This is why we fell in love with Michigan-based Lynn B. Designs. When I popped the pumpkin spice all the things wax melt into my burner, my home was filled with a delicious buttery scent. Plus, there's the wide variety of a gorgeous nail polishes with themes like Hocus Pocus and Pleasant Peninsula. All products are vegan and cruelty-free, and you can find monthly sales on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn B. Designs. Head to lynnbdesigns.store today. Again, that's L-Y-N-B-designs.store. We love them. We love you. It's great nail polish. It's the best I've ever used. Thanks! Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences, and what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy, or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. are headed way up north for this episode to the queen city of the north marquette michigan on the shores of the fierce the beautiful lake superior i love lake superior (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we will be leaving out a couple of locations that will be included in future episodes and uh, we talked about the hauntings of north michigan university already in season two's episode haunted universities and colleges part two but there is absolutely still plenty to talk about today It turns out Marquette is really haunted. Extremely. (laughs) (laughs) Marquette is the largest city in the Upper Peninsula with a population shy of 21,000. The French had been in the area in the early 17th century, but the village of Marquette was not founded until 1849 after Americans William Burt and Jacob Houghton, ah, a name we know, discovered iron at nearby Teal Lake in 1844. It was first named New... That's not fair. Why do you give me the hard words? New Worcester. We're going to go with the, yeah, we're going to go with the New England version, the the New England way to pronounce things. New Worcester after founder Amos Harlow's hometown, Worcester, Massachusetts. Fair enough. But on August 21st, 1850, the name was changed to honor French Jesuit missionary Jacques Marquette. It's a lot younger than I thought it would be. Uh, I, I really expected the settlement to have started with the French especially with having a French name like Marquette. Um, you know, you learn something new every day. It's true. I didn't expect it to be as young Yeah, as that. We start with possibly the oldest ghost story in Marquette. We found this story in the book Haunted Marquette, Ghost Stories from the Queen City by Tyler R. Tishelar? Maybe. I couldn't find how to pronounce it. Okay. Sorry, I'm sorry, Tyler. internet. I tried. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. Um, it's a fantastic read, though. The February 3rd, 1909 edition of the Mining Journal included an article with the following headline, Ghost Said to Walk South Marquette. It detailed how an apparition was seen emerging from the gates of the Rock Street Convent. It was so hideous that a woman and a young girl who saw it immediately fainted and needed to be taken to nearby homes. Another witness said, I noticed a tall white figure covered from head to foot with something resembling a sheet standing in the old convent gate. I was on the opposite side of the street and stopped to look at the strange sight more closely. 
Just then, the figure started across the street towards me, and I started for home as fast as I could run, being too frightened to desire any further knowledge of what the specter might be or what it might want of me. God, I love how verbose people used to be 100 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Who talks like that now? Nobody. (laughs) We don't have the time. A small band of young men assumed it was someone pulling a macabre prank. Yeah. And decided to lie in wait for the jokester, but none showed and they departed. The apparition was seen again and the police were called, but again, no one manifested to be apprehended. Supposedly, the small footprints of a woman were found on the scene. Tishalar couldn't find any recorded deaths in this fire uh, or the previous fire that destroyed two other buildings on the property. Yeah, there's a lot of fire up north, too. But, you know, everything was made of wood back then. So Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of trees, so. Right. I, I think this is kind of a funny story. Um, the Mining Journal, I, I believe, is their newspaper as well, okay. by the way. Because mining was all they did. What? Mining um, in the UP? Yeah, crazy. Weird. <laughs> I just love that there's a, it was a newspaper article. It makes me, it's so much fun. It makes me so happy. I know. Um, but this this fact that the, the young men just assumed it was a, a practical joker, it reminded me of the Hammersmith ghost, which mm. people may or may not be familiar with, because it, this was in England, uh, for one, in Hammersmith, England, go figure, in 1803. No okay. And it's a pretty, I would say, kind of infamous story. I had heard it before, um, but Simon Whistler does a really good summary of it. Um, on his show I can't remember which show he has a million it's the Hammersmith <laughs> ghost murder <laughs> um oh it's casual criminalist okay that's I like that one if you like crime true crime mm-hmm. casual criminalist is super fun because he takes he's not American uh so he takes an international look at crime and the the guy who writes the show is English but he's living in Japan so it's so international yeah, like if you've if you've heard all the North American, American Canadian stuff and you're bored, check out Casual Criminalist. You get a much more international <laughs> view. <laughs> East Asia is bonkers. <laughs> like we didn't know that already. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, because it, it definitely just sounds like a guy pretending to be a ghost to just cause some fuckery. Like, yeah. It, <sighs> um, I mean, luckily no one was injured. Um, that part of why the Hammersmith ghost is so famous is because someone was shot and killed right um, after being mistaken for the ghost so at least no one was killed it was kind of an innocent prank if if that's what it was like Um, two ladies fainted but whatever (laughs) yeah I think that was really funny like a lady came across this ghost saw it fainted had to be taken to a nearby home and then like a girl comes by later sees it faints and has to be taken to a nearby home I know (laughs) Like, can you imagine someone coming up to your door with a woman in their arms and saying, I'm sorry, can we use your home? This lady fainted in the street. Right. And then you're like, <laughs> yes, 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 of course. Like, why did she faint? Like, what happened? It's like, oh, right. she saw a ghost. What? Yeah. I think this would be a fun one to do, like, a fictionalized short story. Oh, that would be fun. It would be. I think it'd be pretty amusing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I wanted to start with that one because that was just such a fun a fun little story and it's a very short story I mean like that's it right but it wasn't you know quote-unquote solved (laughs) no because it it looks just like the 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 quote-unquote ghost like disappeared 
and that was it yeah all right sure so that's yeah starting off with kind of a a fun little odd story about marquette (laughs) got wayward cheat ghosts yeah yeah i love that it's looked like someone wearing a sheet (laughs) i'll be honest it probably was yeah i think the hammersmith ghost might have actually been a guy in a sheet (laughs) or a tablecloth or something like that that's all it took yeah and now we get burial shroud and now we have um videos and things of of apparitions sorry everybody i have a dog behind me and she can see out the window therefore she's going to bark we have you know these incredible videos of apparitions or ufos or cryptids or whatever and it's like fake yeah all it took then yep just a guy in a sheet guy in a sheet (laughs) amazing we're so skeptical these days. We are. <laughs> We've come a long way, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. Now we jump to a related location that people often assume is haunted, a former orphanage. Because if you say orphanage, it's you think it's haunted. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Oh, that was an orphanage? Duh. Haunted. Yeah, it's like sanitarium. Oh, that's clearly haunted. Oh, that's yeah. haunted. Hospital? Yep. Haunted. Yep. Uh, This one is specifically the Holy Family Orphanage, which in 2016 was converted to the Grandview Marquette Apartments. Yep, it's haunted. Orphanage to apartments, haunted. Yeah, I love that they're converting all of these old buildings with dubious reputations into apartments. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, apparently, because it's (laughs) happened multiple times on this show. The Holy Family Orphanage opened in 1915 and remained in operation until 1965. For some reason, the administration building remained open after the orphanage's closure until 1981, after which the building was abandoned. Reading from Wikipedia. Initially, the facility accepted mostly children between second and eighth grade, but later infants and older children were accepted as well. While it was intended originally to only serve white children, of course, of course, Some of its first residents included 60 Native American children transferred from a Catholic home named after St. Joseph of Essenes. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm not Catholic. (laughs) The Native American children had been placed in the Essenes home after being taken away from their parents to accommodate their integration into white culture, which is a privileged way of saying committed cultural genocide. And it wasn't St. Joseph of Assisi? This is what it says. Uh, That apparently actually is a town in the UP, or it was. And it was related to the um, convent from earlier. Okay. Well, when I look up St. Joseph of Assinians, I get St. Joseph of Assassins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming it's like Assinians or Assinians, or I really have no idea. I don't know. Because like St. Joseph... Normally, it's St. Joseph of Assisi. Yeah. But this one is Assassin's. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is or was a small town in the okay. UP as well. Oh, okay. Um, and I have no idea how to pronounce I tried to look, but it's it's hard to find a lot of these pronunciations because they're such small communities. Oh, yeah. That the internet just doesn't care how to pronounce them. No. You, you would have to physically go there and ask somebody. Yeah. Yeah. 
the reason we said it was related to the convent story is because the orphanage that the Native American children came from was first located at the location of the Rock Street convent before moving to the location in whatever that word is. That's right. That's what it was. There was a little, he goes into it more in the book. Um, yeah. So Marquette resident and author Tyler R. R- Tishelar? Sure. I'll just go with that. Sorry, sir. Um, talks about this location extensively in his in his book, which again is Haunted Marquette Ghost Stories from the Queen City, which is available from our book list at bookshop.org slash shop slash haunted mitten. I I really loved this book and I highly recommend it because he is not only an author, but he's a historian and he's lived in the Marquette area like his whole life. And I think he's like a third generation or something. Um, but another book that includes this location is Ghosts of Michigan's Upper Peninsula by Jennifer Billick, which also has some some great information. So if you're interested in the Marquette area, if you're interested in the UP, definitely pick these two books up. Ghost stories didn't begin to circulate until after the building became abandoned. That's pretty par for the course. Yep. Urban legend says that a nun once beat a boy's death, then hid his body by burying it in Park Cemetery. Park is the Protestant cemetery, so I guess that was a better place to hide it than the Catholic cemetery, which you wouldn't want your murder victim in. Yeah. Another, (laughs) just say, you know. Yeah, we'll go next door to the Protestant one because they don't care. Another urban legend says that a girl snuck out when she wasn't supposed to and was locked out to teach her a lesson. The girl caught pneumonia and died. The nuns displayed her body as an example for the other children, which is fucking horrifying. Yeah, the stories associated with this place are, like, kind of grotesque. Yeah. Like, like true child torture. But it's, it's exactly those kinds of stories that people love telling each other. Right. So, and as um, Tischler points out in his book, the child's body would have been, you know, quote-unquote displayed as part of the wake. They were Catholic, remember? So if this story is true, it likely became distorted over time or was just made up I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about the you know displayed their body as a right as a they, like, they, yeah as, as a, like a warning, warning to other kids like, yeah i mean yeah they they had wakes back then <laughs> right we, we still have them today right uh so local medium tammy krasick interviewed by titular in his book met a spirit named mary who showed her what her life was like at the orphanage Krasik says that Mary is the girl who was locked outside and died, and a girl named Mary Vessel did die of pneumonia in 1939, but it is unknown if this is the same Mary. Some adults who were there as children reported having a great childhood, while others reported having a bad childhood. I wonder if that has to do with that. I wonder (laughs) if that has to do with those children's skin color. It's possible, because I think they took in some refugees too over mm. over the years um and uh Tischler is pretty skeptical of this location actually being haunted um as am i to be honest hmm. um though two separate groups of people have held ceremonies at the location to assist spirits crossing over forgive me for rolling my eyes really big at that yeah and it's funny because they did the first one and then, like, another group came in and did a second one because I guess the first one didn't work. Well, that <laughs> or, actually or it worked and the ghosts came back. Right. You know, what's really funny is um, Greg Newkirk on Twitter posted a thread 
did he write it or did somebody else he there is a thread that Newkirk is involved with <laughs> on Twitter okay. that's as far as I without looking it up right now that's as far as I got um that is basically kind of pointing that out that like some place will be quote unquote haunted and one group will come in and have experiences and and then yeah do a kind of ceremony that's supposedly getting these spirits or whatever to the other side and then like two weeks later another group will come in have experiences as well and then do another like oh this is this is the definitive ceremony that will get these these apparitions over you know out of here and and at peace or whatever and it's just like i kind of roll my eyes at that a little bit because it's just like one that's a, you have a lot of gall to come into this place and <laughs> say yeah. that one what you're doing is the is the way to get spirits out of there and two that you're assuming that anything that's there what whatever it could be spirit elemental i have no idea both adheres to what you believe will work uh and wants to go along with the plan right <laughs> and that's one thing that Crassett kind of points out in the book too is that well you know maybe the first group it did work but yeah. only the people who wanted to leave left maybe right. only the people who really did need help left um and others just it didn't it didn't work maybe they weren't right. ready to leave or you know there could be a million reasons or it was people who genuinely had a good time there and wanted to stay I think she's the one who felt there was like a protective entity or something around okay. the place and she thought figure like well that one doesn't want to leave because it wants to continue staying on this land and protecting it so yeah i i do think it's interesting that there were two ceremonies to kind of cleanse the place and they may or may not have worked eh? right and there are just so many other factors that go into things it's just like how do you how did you guys know that this was the appropriate thing to do in any respect. Right. I don't know. It just, I just rolled my eyes a little bit. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, Billick mentions in her book that one woman who snuck into the abandoned building saw a baby carriage roll across the floor on its own, which is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Other people have heard children crying in the lobby. I, I just know abandoned, please no abandoned orphanages. In the basement, a mysterious green light was seen surrounding a medical table, and lights are seen flitting around the building at night. Yeah, and of course, there's no word um, if these continue now that the it's essentially oh. been. I don't know if it was raised and built on top. It was, it was not in good shape mm. um, when it when they broke ground. I guess. Okay. So, who knows if these things are still going on? If they ever went on, right? Um, because it it seems like pretty typical stuff to me <laughs> and there is more to this mysterious green light thing in okay. um in um it's in billick's book but it's also in um, titular's book he talks about it and then it's connected to um was it park cemetery the cemetery we yeah. mentioned earlier so when we cover cemeteries we will be revisiting this story <laughs> <laughs> um because it it's it's weird i didn't want to get into it now so we'll just you can either go read the book or look it up online which is cool right or wait for our episode um or yeah or wait for the episode on on cemeteries because there are so dang many haunted cemeteries in michigan <laughs> that they're just gonna get their own episode 
or multiple episodes depending yeah yeah probably multiple actually (laughs) (laughs) it might just be like we'll sprinkle one here and there (laughs) just yeah like it got to the point I would I would be reading about one and go wait a minute didn't I already read this oh no that was the other cemetery in the other book like yeah (laughs) oh no it was just the other cemetery or the other other cemetery yeah there are a lot of tropes apparently there's cemetery tropes haunted cemetery tropes excellent Yes. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Next up, we have a Marquette landmark. The Landmark Inn, that is. No way! Ho ho! Uh, Reading from the Inn's website. Quote, once known as the Northland Hotel, the Landmark Inn has a history as rich and fascinating as that of Marquette itself. The Northland Hotel was first conceived in June 1916, the foundation was laid in 1920, but the 100-room hotel itself did not open until January 2nd, 1930. From the 1930s through the 1960s, the hotel stood at the epicenter of the downtown Marquette social scene. As the late 1970s arrived, the hotel fell into disrepair before finally closing in 1982. The property underwent a comprehensive renovation in 1995 by Team Landmark, now it makes sense, a company specializing in historic restorations, and re-emerged under a new name, the Landmark Inn, to once again reign as the grandest of Marquette's downtown hotels, end quote. Several famous guests are listed, including Jimmy Stewart, Lee Remick, George C. Scott, Abbott and Costello, Duke Ellington, and Louis Armstrong. Louis wow. Armstrong, sorry. And Amelia Earhart <gasps> is also a former guest, and the room in which she stayed is now named for her. I want to go stay there. Yeah, we should definitely check this this place out. Maybe that's where we'll stay when we go go to Marquette. Uh, it is said that her spirit has stopped by from time to time. Oh, take that as you will. Um, but the most famous story about the Landmark Inn revolves around a room on the sixth floor known as the Lilac Room. P.S. You can see a video of someone showing you the Lilac Room on YouTube. Oh, cool. There's a reason it's called the Lilac Room. Oh, okay. <laughs> a little overwhelming if you like lilacs (laughs) it's great knock yourself out (laughs) Uh, the ghost that lingers in this room is sometimes called the lilac lady Um, in life she was a librarian who fell in love with a crewman of an ore boat alas her sweetheart perished a victim of a lake superior storm oh that's common yeah i'm like that is also a trope (laughs) yep Uh, when he did not come back to her the librarian died of a broken heart and now she haunts the room from which she used to sit and watch her love's return. Several guests have reported seeing the lilac lady wandering the halls of the sixth floor, as well as looking out the window of the lilac room. They have also reported hearing a crying woman close to the window, seeing objects move by themselves, and furnishings sometimes look used when the room has in fact been empty. Calls are made to the front desk when no one is staying in the room. The first guest to stay in the room was angry that he had found screws in his bed just under the sheets. No one knew how or why the screws had gotten there. But, ah. That actually happened twice. They removed the <gasps> screws and then he went uh, to go back to bed and there, the screws were back in the bed and they just gave him a different room. Oh my gosh! Isn't that weird? That's so weird! That's, that's one of the weirdest things I think I've heard. <laughs> like, what? Huh? I have, yeah, I have never heard something as weird as screws being found under the sheets. Under the sheets, yeah. Of a made bed in a hotel. 
how the heck did they get there and why? I yeah, I'm very curious as to the why. Why pick screws? <laughs> they were lying around. I don't know. I and then it happened again because they changed it and then he like went down to dinner or something. Right. And then he came back and they were there again. And more screws. Yeah. So why they screws? Gave, they just gave him a different room rather than repeat. Oh yeah, no, I <laughs> we're not gonna keep playing this game all night. Yeah. That's so strange. And another man staying in the room next to the lilac room complained that whoever was staying there was being too noisy. He called the front desk to complain several times, but nothing was done. When the desk person checked the log, no one was checked into the rooms on either side of his. Rather than tell him that the room was haunted, it was suggested that he change his room. Another guest reported that every night he would close the blinds, but they would be open again in the morning. On the third night of this happening, he tied the cord so the blinds couldn't slip. But it didn't matter. The blinds were open again the next morning. It is also said that men have trouble with their room keys, while women can open the door with theirs no problem. Men, get out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The noisy room and people complaining when it's when when that room is empty is like such a haunted hotel thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some of these are cliches and some of these are unique. Like the yeah. screws. Like the screws. Another popular story about the Landmark Inn involves a different woman. After her lover discovered that she was not being faithful to him, he murdered her in a fit of jealousy. He then took her body to the basement of the unfinished inn and left her there. The crew that worked to complete this area reported hearing the crying and faint whispers of a woman calling to them for help. Other versions of this story claim the woman was an escort who shared secrets from one client to another, ruining their business deals. Her ending is the same, being killed and buried in the basement. I find that because you hear these kinds of stories too in buildings yeah. a lot. And like, how would the workers not see her? I don't know. Or like how like I've always wondered that in, in movies too, because that's a popular thing in movies and TV shows. Someone gets, you know, buried in the basement covered in cement. Like, how would they not notice? I don't know. I don't think I know enough about construction. Maybe. Someone <laughs> in the construction business, tell us if this is feasible. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> but that isn't all. <gasps> two unfortunate women. There's more. Um, <laughs> one bartender oh. saw a pair of wine glasses one by one slide from their hanging displays and crash to the bar below. It really sounds like every part of this inn is haunted. I'm like pissed about the last one because man, that sucks for that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's there are more stories about this place they're all over the internet they're in i believe both of these books and just what <laughs> like I every part know. of this hotel i think in one one of the urban legends it says the librarian i don't know why she's a librarian but she is um <laughs> she hanged herself in the room oh great and that's why she haunts it um mm -hmm. i but i mostly saw died of a broken heart so that's that's the one i kind of went with in the initial telling but there are several different versions of this and yeah, like every part of this hotel seems to be haunted. Yeah. No, so it's, it's, it's an interesting place. Yeah, we're staying there. I'm not staying in the lilac room, though. Not because it's haunted, but because look at it. <laughs> like, uh, it's, there's a theme. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the wallpaper is all just covered in lilacs. I think the bedspread and the curtains. It's just lilacs everywhere. And it 
it, it's an older hotel so the room's a little bit smaller than maybe right. you would find in a modern hotel um so I would I think it would make me feel claustrophobic I honestly do <laughs> with that kind of busy wallpaper it's very bright and happy and springy but that's like that's right. not my it's not my seed <laughs> no mine either but I think I'll just bring a sleep mask and deal with it <laughs> yeah try the blinds trick yeah but I don't know maybe maybe that's something that like we'll have to have well I don't think your husband will do it but mine will stay and stay like sleep one night in that room by himself oh yeah see if because it's only men right like women have a perfectly fine time yeah all of the the stories I found that take place in the room happens with men right that I saw or that specified we'll have Aaron do it Um, I mean Greg does see things so that's true but he also has long hair long glorious hair so he might be well, mistaken. <laughs> and and I also just kind of assumed like he wouldn't want to because he doesn't seem to have a great time with his experiences. It's true. He often doesn't. <laughs> so I don't want to make him do something that he's not going to uh, enjoy. But Aaron, I don't think would care. So yeah. And the, the key we'll card thing, that's that's an easy one. You're just like, here, use this key. Oh, it's not working. Let me try. Oh, look, it worked. Like yeah. Right. I don't know. But yeah. And I don't. I don't believe either of those stories could be confirmed. Shockingly. Oh, no way. What? <laughs> so who knows what's haunting this place, right? Or what's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah, and I think like this area, it's it's so cold and sort of forbidding in the winter. There's not a whole lot of um, like Native American history as well, mm-hmm. because like they, they weren't going to winter up there. They knew no. better than that. <laughs> it's cold and that's why the that's actually why marquette is such a young city comparatively speaking is because the weather is just awful right and in the summer it's lovely but the winters are extremely harsh if you didn't have modern conveniences you would have a really hard time (laughs) right you're not making it like it's not a place it's not a place that you could survive without heat and yeah I'll, I'll like yeah. you said modern conveniences i get it yeah <laughs> that does mean it was kind of built on greed i guess mm. Mm, well you know <laughs> i don't know white people yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah even the french like they went through there and they were like nope cool not staying here nope get me out yeah nope. it, it is a beautiful city I've i've been up there once as an adult and i think probably as a kid as well and i just don't remember it but yeah but uh here is a quick and also popular marquette urban legend marquette is full of urban legends in case you didn't gather that (laughs) Um, (laughs) we're going to read from michigan.org's article 12 incredibly haunted places in the upper peninsula because it's nice and succinct Mm -hmm. quote one to two story house the marquette monthly building was constructed in the late 1930s and wasn't purchased by the magazine until the 1990s The transition from house to publication business was a natural fit, though, as it was discovered that the top floor of the house once operated as a small printing office that produced time cards and delivery notes for the area's train depots. Stories are told to this day about the first print press worker, Beth Ann, who... (laughs) Bam! I hope not. (laughs) No, bam! This doesn't end well. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, bam! (laughs) 
Uh, stories are told to this day about the first print press worker, Beth Ann, not of our lovely BAM fame, who lived upstairs and worked the print office when the building was first built. Hers was a dangerous job. What with a daily regimen of loading the large metal printing press with ink, changing out the machine's characters and fonts, handling all print deliveries, and unclogging paper jams. One day, just before the first train was to roll into the depot, Beth Ann's shirt sleeve got caught in the cardstock feeder, and the machine slowly began to inch her arm closer and closer to the letterpress. Since she was the only person in the office, no one heard her blood-curdling screams. That night, Beth Ann's husband came home from work to find his, life, his wife lying on the floor next to the printing press, arm missing, covered in her own blood. Gruesome, right? <laughs> yeah and totally fake what 100 percent fake what this never happened oh <laughs> it's but it's a good story right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds and, like something that would definitely happen back in the day before like osha yeah and i i i don't have any experience with large printing presses like this so i, I couldn't say you know if if this is likely to have happened or not oh i have um, no idea yeah but uh yeah totally fake <laughs> and it's oh. very popular you find this story freaking everywhere i mean this was on michigan.org <laughs> so it is right everywhere uh, but it was debunked by tyler uh, titular in his book haunted marquette and billick adds in her book that the building was a grocery store and a gift shop before becoming the magazine hq however while beth ann's story may be fiction People do believe the place is haunted. So I'm, I, this, I think this is a situation where, you know, there was activity and then somebody came up with this story. Right. Uh, employees of the monthly plus residents of the third floor apartments have reported lights turning on and off on their own, objects being moved or thrown by unseen hands, hearing disembodied voices and footsteps. So, you know, your average right. haunting. Ray Labonte, a descendant of the building's grocery store owner, is now believed to haunt the building. He's considered either playful or restless, quote, hiding important things, throwing items around the room, pacing upstairs, or messing with the electricity, end quote. One former employee who knew Ray in life said that Ray often joked around with him and these, you know, quote unquote pranks felt like him. So that's why they think it's Ray. Okay. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Maybe he did want to hang around or some part of him did and sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Both books do mention it, and they both go into different details. Okay. So if you want the whole story, I would say read both books. I appreciate that both um, Tishalar and Billick were both. They both debunked it and were like, "Hey, we're not just going to repeat what everyone says. We're actually going to look, <laughs> yeah, and do look our research this. and like like publish that this." that this is not true we're not just gonna go with what everybody says because we yeah. find so often in our books that one book just kind of repeats the book that came before it yep yep that happens a lot <laughs> so i just appreciate that these books uh did not follow suit yeah both of them did their research um haunted marquette i think is a little bit longer um plus the other one is is the entire up it's not just marquette Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so doing this like deep dive into Marquette, it's it's not a short book. It's actually a quite long book with a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, he also does um, people's homes, which I 
I try not to talk about people's homes too much on here because yeah. they are private residences. I right. don't want I'm with to you. Go, you know, knock on doors, I suppose. No. Um, but there's an entire chapter on haunted houses as well in this book. It's it's a very cool book. And it's full of history. Like he really does do his research. Yeah, I think it's going to be added to our permanent collection. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For our last location, we have another haunted library. Yay! <laughs> like two of my favorite things together in one. I know. We love haunted libraries. Marquette Public Library Service began in 1871, and after a number of expansions and relocations, the building at 217 North Front Street was built in 1904. The Peter White Public Library has been renovated and expanded at least twice since then. Marquette Arts and Culture Center is also located in the building. Peter White was a local businessman, postmaster, real estate developer, Michigan State legislator, and of course, philanthropist. He is all over Marquette's history. That's, yeah, and that's just a lot of stuff to do in one lifetime, so good job. Yeah. Um, interestingly, one of the most haunted locations is the women's bathroom. Yes, again. Always. <laughs> but it's in the new part of the library, not all right. the old. Oh. A psychic who investigated said oh. the name of this spirit is Charlotte. And when asked if she was a voyeur, this is a direct quote, Charlotte answered yes. Yes. I don't remember if they're doing EVP or if they're doing spirit box during that, but okay. uh, yeah, in Haunted Marquette, they get into like the, the actual investigations and stuff, but I had to cut out so much. He has so much details that this episode would be like three times as long. Right. Um, so just know that there's a ghost in the women's bathroom in the new part of the library named Charlotte who likes to watch you pee. Cool. 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 <laughs> Uh, Charlotte is thought to be from the early 20th century, however, well before this part of the building was constructed. So it, it is a mystery. Sure. Um, although the, the psychic uh, Krasik that he interviews in his book says that ghosts will travel. So it could be that she's fascinated by modern technology. I don't know. <laughs> modern peeing. Who knows? Yeah. These newfangled toilets and sinks. I don't know. <laughs> The ease in which modern women are able to pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the voyeur is just, what on earth? Okay. Okay, ghost. <laughs> Could you not, though? At least she's honest. <laughs> in another part of the library, the NMU Paranormal Research Team used a spirit box to ask who was there. The box then named each of the researchers present. Oh, snap. Cool. Yeah. The team then asked if Peter White was the spirit, and the box said no. All Around right. 1 a.m., all of the team's equipment went out with no explanation, and then the copiers on the first floor suddenly turned on, and after that, the security alarms went off. Crap. Like the, do the door ones, like we've got. Yeah. Um, but everything became resolved because it was about 3 a.m. that they had the spirit box conversation with the ghost. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was through spirit box. I find this interesting because I've often heard of these times referred to as like the witching hour. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna bring that up. Yeah. Do I think this means anything? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> That's just me. But I, I did find that interesting because it it's said a lot, and you know maybe it means something to to our listeners or other people. Oh sure. That yeah, that one a.m. and three a.m. is when they got their 
spirit box interactions i guess mm-hmm. no that doesn't that doesn't happen to mean much to me either but i'm sure it's important to somebody and that's totally legit that's fine yeah i i kind of think that usually there's the activity first and the explanation later and i think that's where the witching hour comes from oh right and is it hold on now i have to look up the witching hour yeah i've heard it referred to as anything from 12 to like 3 a.m so isn't it because it has something to do with christianity doesn't it because it's the opposite of something about jesus crap or like the opposite of like mass times or something the opposite of like the hour in which he died or something I don't know because it, it's always called the witching hour but there's like four of them so right uh wikipedia says it's the time between 3 and 4 a.m oh um in western christian tradition the hour between 3 and 4 a.m was considered a period of peak supernatural activity this time uh, is also referred to as the devil's hour due to it being a mocking inversion of the time in which jesus supposedly died which was at 3 p.m how do they know that he died at 3 p.m i have no idea i don't know how super old timekeeping works or it's the phrase witching hour began at least as early as 1775 in the poem night and ode by reverend reverend matthew west though its origins may go further back to 1535 where the catholic church prohibited activities during the 3 to 4 a.m time frame due to emerging fears about witchcraft in europe and there's a lot of links in that short paragraph that I am not going to dive into while we're recording. Yeah. But yeah, and, and the later on in the article, it does say that like, eh, some people think it's between 12 and 1, others between sunset and sunrise, sometimes it's just midnight. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. In other yeah. words, I don't know. I've heard all of these times Yeah, referred to, mostly in movies, but right. Um... The witching hour is whatever you want it to be. I'm going to go with, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the fact that they got these, you know, communications between one and three, eh, I think it's a coincidence. I, yeah, I just think that most people happen to ghost hunt at night. So that's when you're going to get the evidence. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So again, the two books that I strongly recommend reading if you want to learn more about Marquette and also the UP, and it's many ghost stories. Uh, As I said, more than we've talked about here. Much, much, much more. Those books are Ghosts of Michigan's Upper Peninsula by Jennifer Billick and Haunted Marquette, Ghost Stories from the Queen City by Tyler R. Tishlar. Sorry, I'm probably getting your name wrong. Sorry, sir. Um, And you can, again, get those books at bookshop.org slash shop slash haunted mitten along with more haunted Michigan books by mostly Michigan authors, if not exclusively Michigan authors. Every purchase benefits them, this podcast, as well as the independent bookstore of your choice. There is, Yay! in fact, as we were discussing earlier, there's one in Marquette, if you yep. want to um, support them. It's Snowbound Books. It's a very cool place. And don't forget to like and review Haunted Mitten so more people find us. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Haunted Mitten. We are also on Patreon, and no, I won't stop talking about it. $1 a month gets you access to the private Haunted Mitten Discord server, where you can see all of our sweet memes, as well as exclusive Patreon content, including the audio recording of our very first live presentation at Frankenfest Detroit about historic Fort Wayne and our presentation with the Pinckney Library. And don't forget, we have merch. Check us out at hauntedmitten.store. I will attack on to that. We are definitely open to guest artists. If you 
have a cool idea for a haunted bitten product, just some art, feel free to email us. Let's talk about it. And if you have a story or want to get in contact about a sponsorship or collaboration, or you have a story you would like to share, um, you can email us at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com. Yay, thank you for saying it so I didn't have to. I did that on purpose. Yeah, you're great. Got you, boo. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me, Krista, at Krista K. Coburn, C-R-Y-S-T-A-K-C-O-B-U-R-N, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And you could find me at all of those places at K Gray Writes, just the letter K Gray Writes. Yeah, hit us up, yo. Yeah, definitely. We like we like talking to people about stuff. <laughs> if the more that we can nerd out about haunted things, the more the more we will. And we chat on the discords. We do. Like I said, go check out our sweet memes. Yeah. <laughs> I love finding memes. It's it's a hobby of mine. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And as always, happy haunting. <laughs>